1: the truck! You are listening to Why the truck.
2: Are you ready to truck it? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner. Welcome to the show. Fog machine's already cranking because uh, it's almost Halloween around here. We got a very special even. even wow, this is... <laughs> it's a lot of smoke. Uh, we had a very special, a very What the Truck Halloween coming up on Monday, if you can see me. If the smoke ever comes down, but it's close enough to the spooky season, I guess we had to try this thing out. And um, I know not to hit the A button, because that is just way too much. There's just way too much fog coming through here. I hope it doesn't get the smoke detectors. Welcome to the show, everybody. Is that going to, could you do me a favor and hit the button on that? <laughs> oh, wait, it stopped. It stopped. We're good now. We're good. I'll get Haley with it later. All right, we got a serious topic to get into before we get into stuff over here. Drivers in Maine, you need to be on the lookout. Take a look at this tweet that my buddy Wes Harmon put out there. Uh, Suspected spree killer Robert Card, he's out on the loose. He's he's killed at least... He's killed at least 18 people. If you saw in the newsletter yesterday, I talked to drivers about the re- alerts that they were receiving on their QualmCons. Um, be vigilant. He's very dangerous. Wes Harmon got this one. He said, boy, you don't see this every day. I delivered at the Lewiston Walmart Distribution Center site of one of the shootings earlier this month. Fortunately, it did come out. Initially, there were reports that there was a shooting at a Walmart Distribution Center. Fortunately, that did not happen. But drivers, this guy is still out there. They're still looking for him. And he might be looking for a way out of here. That's what he looks like. He's the suspected killer that is out there right now. Uh, real quick report, I want you all to look out. By the way, thoughts and prayers with all the victims. Real quick report, I want you all to see here. Piracy is back on the menu. Piracy incidents are on the rise despite previous declines. Piracy surged in the first nine months of 2023, especially in the Gulf of Guinea, Calio in Singapore, according to the IMB. AIS data shows 2,749 vessels currently in the Gulf of Guinea with an average stay of nine hours and 45 minutes. That's via marine traffic. On Monday on a very What the Truck Halloween when we have um, the huntsman Ross Kennedy, we have Sal Mercogliano, we have John Conrad on here. That's going to be a great topic to jump in on with them. Um, What else is going on here? There's also porch piracy, big issue. Here's a map from 2018. This is showing what has happened, and some has changed from them. Back then, 2018, the top five Places for package theft were San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, Minneapolis, Boston, and Portland, Oregon. How about now, though? The Telegraph reports data collected by Vivint Smart Home, a home technology and security company, shows St. Louis is the number one city in the United States where your package is most likely to get stolen from your front porch. They use data from Google Trends. Um, they looked at a uh, they looked at a ton of different places. Here, the top five ended up being St. Louis, Jersey City, New Jersey, Madison, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Fremont, California. United States is actually number fourth in the world for porch piracy. Iceland. Number one, I would not have guessed that, would you? So be careful. Holidays are coming up. And there is, on FritWaves.com, after the show, go check it out. There's a new article up from Rachel Premack. Flexport, the San Francisco-based forwarder, they are out there, and they might be on the market to buy Convoy. The Wall Street Journal had uh, a report out there. There's some sources. They're looking to get the tech stack. Some employees will be involved in this. Unfortunately, this hasn't been confirmed. I actually personally asked Ryan Peterson myself. He said, uh... I can't give you any comment on that, unfortunately. What do you guys think, though? Leave in the comments. Do you think that Convoy Flexport would be a good marriage? Do you think they would fit? Give Flexport some inroads into domestic trucking. We'll be keeping an eye on it, and as soon as that changes, we'll give you more information. Anyways, on today's show, we have an awesome one. I'm joined by NASA Kennedy Space Center's Brian Berry. We're going to talk about the logistics of launching NASA's next commercial crew mission. We're going to find out how commercial crew works and everything that's going on up in space with that. We got Diablo Freight Ventures, Tyson Lawrence. He's talking about overcoming failure in freight. And hey, there's been a lot of failures lately. He had a company, went into business. He's rebuilding now, building himself back up. He's going to share his lessons learned. I think they'll be invaluable to all of us. F3 is descending upon California in just uh, 11 short days now. Haley Fazio is here with a preview of what's going down at the Future of Freight Festival in the Scenic City this November. Plus, we got Truck Stop Buying Habits, EV Charging Etiquette, motorcyclist walks away from getting run over by a semi and much more so let's tip the band then we'll get on over to nasa looking for a new adventure the next step on your career journey with ait worldwide logistics take the next step with ait worldwide logistics when you join their growing team you'll collaborate with expert colleagues around the world to create innovative solutions backed by world-class customer service if you're ready to push the supply chain envelope your next adventure is waiting visit the career section at AITWorldwide.com to learn more and apply today So, NASA's commercial crew is being developed on a goal of safe and reliable cost-effective human transportation to and from the International Space Station from the United States through a partnership with American private industry. Here's a quick video to sort of show you what it's all about.
1: Human spaceflight. Two words that, when combined, captivate our imagination and inspire us to explore worlds outside of our home planet.
3: We keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible because we're evolving. We're growing, we're learning. We as a human race have always done that and we should continue to do that.
1: For more than a decade, NASA's groundbreaking commercial crew program has led the way toward a new era in human spaceflight, impacting the agency and industry in tremendous ways.
0: Thank you so much for what you've uh, done for us today, putting America back into low earth orbit from the Florida coast.
1: First, by partnering with innovative commercial partners, to return a human launch capability to the United States and reestablish the nation as a leader in exploration.
4: We definitely
0: really appreciate the the hard work that that you all had to go through to ensure that the contractors could understand NASA and what we needed to have human spaceflight
1: be safe in the way that we wanted to, to operate it. Then, building on that developmental success, with reliable transportation services to the International Space Station that strengthened our international partnerships.
2: Very, very cool. This is an exciting topic. Brian Berry, it's my honor to have you here. He's a mission manager, commercial crew crew program, mission management, and integration officer at NASA. And I believe you're over at Kennedy Space Center today, are you not? Yes,
5: hey, good afternoon. I am at Kennedy Space Center.
2: Well, hey, it's great to meet you. Uh, NASA, super exciting, aspirational job, love it. What do you, what do you get into over there? So
5: uh, Kennedy Space Center, I'm a Commercial Crew Program Mission Manager. So basically what that means is uh, for the next Commercial Crew launch, Crew 8, uh, we launch in middle of February. Um, it's my job to make sure that all of the certification work for that mission is complete before we give our final go for launch. So. For example, on November 8th, SpaceX is going to come, and that's three months before launch. They're going to tell us, here's all the changes we've made since Crew 7 to the Dragon capsule and to the Falcon 9 rocket, and NASA's going to work through those changes and make sure it still meets our standards uh, before we give our go in, in February of 2024.
2: Wow, Brian, you have dedicated some time to NASA. I was, I was reading your bio. You even met your wife at NASA. Do you think that um, soon enough we'll have weddings up in space? You think you, you think we'll, we'll be seeing nuptials set up there? i think
5: we will yeah i don't see why not i I know i've seen uh some some pretty cool personal stuff uh flown up from the astronauts when i was at johnson space center you know we make a good connection with the astronauts we train them at johnson space center so i have seen some really cool personal photos and mementos taken up to the space station so yeah i don't i wouldn't be surprised if we saw a wedding soon
2: well, talk about a uh, talk about a destination wedding. How about commercial crew? Commercial crew is a big part of NASA now, and why we're getting back up into space. G- g- lay it out for us. What does commercial crew do? What's the point of it? So, the point
5: of commercial crew is basically to enable the private industry to begin flying um, NASA astronauts initially um, to low Earth orbit, and then ultimately to use those vehicles and those operations. Um, that NASA has you know, signed off on and said, this is safe, this is certified. And then they can go use those vehicles and operations to fly um, you know, private citizens to low earth orbit. Um, right now, the ISS is kind of the, the main and the only destination, but you know, soon there will be additional destinations where these vehicles can travel. And really that's the point of CCP is just to kind of set the benchmarks and the standards so that the private industry can grow and get out to low earth orbit.
2: Now, when you say private citizens, is this sort of like the first step towards um, space tourism or is it more towards building commerce and industry and letting uh, uh, business leaders who is going up on these missions?
5: So for now, commercial crew, it's it's NASA astronauts to the ISS. um, But, you know, SpaceX has already done some private astronaut missions. um, And these are these are private citizens. These are not NASA astronauts. Um, they're, They're doing both tourism and there's also been some science and payload work that they've done in low Earth orbit. So it's going to be a combination of both tourism and additional research and science like we do on the ISS.
2: So help help me understand. How do we get, like? Why do we need commercial crew? How do we get to space before? Were were missions funded different? You, I know you have these partnerships with with SpaceX and Boeing, both making their respective capsules. Why is this necessary?
5: So before, you know, we had the shuttle program um, and the, the purpose of the shuttle program was to get to low Earth orbit, to do research and science. And then the purpose of that vehicle kind of became to build the ISS. So without the shuttle, there's no International Space Station. Um, so we did that. Um, and as, as part of um, continuing our crew rotations at the ISS, the shuttle was really um, over-designed for that purpose of just transporting crew to and from the ISS. Um, It was more of a uh, a truck, a workhorse to get heavy things up to orbit. Um, And now the commercial crew program is more of let's build a capsule to get three or four people um, up to the ISS and back every six months so that we can continue our presence and our research up at the ISS. Um, So that's kind of the shift in uh, purpose of the two vehicles. And then there's also been a shift in philosophy. So with the shuttle, that was entirely designed and owned by NASA. um, And that was our major focus while we had the shuttle. Um, now, NASA's focus is more on deep, spa- deep space exploration with Artemis, uh, back to the moon and beyond. And so what we can do with low Earth orbit, which we've been doing for you know 50 years, is we can work with the private sector to, to get you know, capsules to and from low Earth orbit reliably and safely so NASA can shift its focus to, to you know, deep, deep space uh, destinations.
2: Interesting. So how do you pick the partnerships on there? As we mentioned, there's SpaceX and there's also Boeing.
5: Um, you know, we have uh, uh, calls for uh, partners and uh, we review inputs from several different partners and ultimately NASA uh, reviews the details of those and, and selected SpaceX and Boeing initially for the commercial crew program. There could be additional partners that come online as we as we grow, but that's where we are today
2: so how, how does the mission work like you mentioned that you're you're preparing for your eighth mission right how do you prepare for other ones how are, how do they come together at least from your perspective
5: so the way the mission comes together um it, it's basically with spacex at least you know we've done our seventh crew mission right now is on the iss dock to the iss today so when we launch in february that will be the eighth mission um, so at this point it's really a we begin from what we did previously we look at the deltas, what's changing, what's improved, um, where do we need to go um, make better improvements since what we've seen from the previous missions. So um, all of these things happen from the time the capsule lands on the previous mission until we launch on the next one. Is we're, we're just scrubbing everything, making it better. Um, but really the, the template um, kind of remains the same of what we've done since uh, the Crew-1 mission where we plan for a six-month rotation. We launch four astronauts and we bring four back home. Um,
2: so who can like you mentioned so this is this involves not just it involves private industry so who can go on them how do you end up on a commercial crew mission
5: so the commercial crew missions right now are just nasa astronauts going to and from the iss Um, as i mentioned spacex does have um, private missions where they take uh, they've partnered with a company called axiom and they've taken axiom um Axiom-selected astronauts uh, up to the ISS, and they've done, usually it's a 10 to 15 day mission, and they do science experiments up there that are funded through Axiom and and their contracts with SpaceX. Um, So right now, that's kind of the only other way to get to the ISS. Um, But for like Crew 7, Crew 8, these CCP missions, these are NASA astronauts.
2: So I got a question for you then. What, what kind of cargo are you bringing up with these astronauts that you're sending up there? What's the freight? This is a supply chain show. What's, what's in the capsule? What's
1: in the capsule?
5: Yeah, so uh, each capsule um, brings up a lot of supplies for not only the crew members on the capsule um, to eat, drink, their food, their consumables, things they need to use while they're uh, traveling to the ISS, but we also bring up um, supplies for the crew members already on the ISS. We bring up additional uh, science experiments. We have uh, these uh, large uh, units we call lockers, and there's there's you know some lockers that are freezers, and we bring up cold science, and we're going to go do those things on the ISS. Um, so it, it varies every mission, but it could be science experiments, food, or just consumables and supplies that the ISS needs. Um, the Dragon capsule that we use with SpaceX. There's also a cargo variant of that capsule where there's no crew members, there's no seats. And they can bring up, you know, a ton more cargo than we do on a CCP mission.
2: That is so interesting. You know, I'm looking at the video and it keeps showing that Dragon capsule, the SpaceX one. And I'm curious because if you think about it, I've gone to the space museums a bunch. I've sat inside the capsules and those were designed 50, 60 years ago. They're really small. They're very metal. They're not they're obviously not very comfortable. And that looks like, you know, the inside of a Tesla or something. What's the design philosophy when you can rethink how a capsule's built?
5: Yeah, so the, the modern, the new capsules are very modern. Um, you know, the purpose, as i mentioned, is just to get to and from the ISS. Um, they're, they're not really designed for long duration uh, stays on orbit, you know, on their own. Um, it is pretty spacious, but you know, a matter of three or four days is usually about all folks want to spend in the capsule before they, they want to get to the ISS or come home. Um, but yeah, they're definitely more modern, uh, they've, they've got, you know, Interfaces that we never had on shuttle. There's touchscreens and things like that. So it's it's, it's definitely a, a big step forward going from shuttle to a, a
2: Dragon capsule. Yeah, because how long is the trip to the ISS? You mentioned a couple of days, and it, it kind of look. I mean, they're not very big, the capsules. So it kind of looks like what you see is what you get. So you, do you have to sit in that chair for that whole like duration of the trip?
5: Uh, no. Once the crew reaches orbit, um, they're they can you know unbuckle and get out of the chair. Um, but yeah, it is a pretty small volume. The, I believe the fastest we've gotten to the ISS is under 24 hours. So uh, typically, the crew sleep on the capsule once, and then we'll dock the next day. So it's not it's not too long to be in the capsule on orbit without the ISS. But yeah, they're they're always very excited to get to the ISS, and uh, you know, it's a very large vehicle, so they can you know stretch out <laughs> a little more once they get to the ISS.
2: Now, during these missions, are you monitoring the whole thing? Like, Obviously, like all NASA's, but are you as well? Like, what happens if something goes wrong? What could go wrong?
5: Yes, so um, there are teams that, that track the mission the entire six months it's docked um, at the ISS. So in Houston, the ISS flight control team is there 24-7. There's always a team on console in mission control. Um, in Hawthorne, the SpaceX team, they are there... Um, not quite 24/7, but they come in every week. They they turn the vehicle on while it's docked to the ISS, check all the systems, make sure everything's okay, and then they power it back down. Um, so really, the Dragon capsule is pretty um, quiescent. It's not not doing anything while it's docked. So there's not a whole lot to worry about. Um, but there could be issues with the International Space Station that would drive our crew to need to leave. You know, there could be a fire, there could be a, a depress, there could be a toxic atmosphere that, that leaks into the, the, the ISS. So these are some of the, the emergencies we plan for. The crew would need to get into Dragon, uh, quickly get their suits on, close the hatches, and they could undock and come home on relatively short order. Um, but yeah, from from my perspective in CCP, the majority of our work is getting to and from the ISS, but we do keep eyes on the vehicle throughout its entire stay at the ISS.
2: What's the long-term, so you got Mission 8 coming up, that launches, did, did you say it was uh, February, early next year it launches?
5: Yeah, that's well, right, February
2: 15th, targeted. What's the What's the sort of the long-term goal after that? So you do Mission 8, and, and where where does this go? Where are we developing this to?
5: So right now, with commercial crew, um, you know, like I mentioned, the, the, the larger goal is to enable private industry to begin flying to low-Earth orbit. Um, within the scope of the International Space Station, the ISS right now is um, contracted out through 2030, so our our goal in CCP is to provide that safe and reliable transportation to and from the ISS um, until the end of life for ISS. So we've got um, you know seven more years there, and you know we've got um, Boeing coming online soon. They're going to be doing some testing later this year, and then they're going to do their crew test in April of next year. Um, so once they're flying, uh, you know their certified missions. The goal will be to alternate a Boeing mission and then a SpaceX mission um, every six months, um, and, and just continue that that routine and uh, get folks to and from the ISS so that they can continue their work through 2030.
2: Do the astronauts prefer one capsule over the other? Do they have a preference? preference?
5: No. no, there's no preference. You know, they right now we've got a crew that's focused on the Boeing uh, CFT mission. They're training every day, getting to know the capsule, and they're ready to go. Um, and then we, we train the crew on the SpaceX capsule when they're assigned to that mission. Um, but, you know, we, we put both vehicles through the same standards and rigor um, in the CCP program, so, uh, no, there's there's no preference uh, from the crew crew members.
2: No, no. No, <laughs> no, that looks How do you... Are you moving these... I'm looking at these on some trailers. How are you moving the, the actual capsules around?
5: Yeah, so the capsule... Um, once it's built, it's, for SpaceX at least, it's built out in Hawthorne, California, initially. Uh, it's trucked over to Kennedy Space Center, um, actually uh, Cape Canaveral Space Force Base is where they, they store all the capsules. Um, and then once it's there, it will launch, it will land, uh, the recovery ships will bring it back to the space, uh, space Force Base, they'll offload it and they'll begin the refurb process to get it ready for another launch. So once, once a capsule is initially built it will stay out here in Florida for all of its missions.
2: That's got to be some unique freight to haul. I'd like to be a driver pulling that stuff. Well, let me ask you a question. You said seven years the ISS is is done for, right? So what happens to the program after that? Where, where are you flying to? <laughs> well,
5: uh, I, I'm not entirely sure on that one. But, you know, the ISS um, was initially funded, I think, through 2020, and then it was extended to 2024. Right now it's 2030. We could always do assessments and determine if we can extend that life a little more. Um, And in that case, CCP would continue to work with ISS to get to and from uh, the station.
2: Well, Brian, really cool. So the mission launch is in ferry. People want to watch it. They can watch it. I've watched them before. They're on NASA's YouTube channel. You guys do great live streams. It's almost Halloween, though, and I always ask NASA people what their favorite space movie is, but I'm going to put a modifier. What's your favorite space horror or horror sci-fi movie?
5: Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think the last one I saw was, uh, I think it was called Apollo 18, Oh yeah. Uh, where they landed on the moon and there were, um, I guess, some zombies on the moon. That was pretty entertaining.
2: Man, I'd have to go with Alien as a classic, or, or District 9, another another great one. Well, Brian, I thank you so much for your time. People want to learn more about what's going on with commercial crew. Where can I send them to? i send them to.
5: Uh, nasa.gov and then from there they can drill down and find information on the ISS or Commercial Crew Program Artemis anywhere they want to go
2: thank you so much for your time today I appreciate it I appreciate it thank you take care alright everybody meanwhile it's going down at Spirit Halloween now not Toys R Us is gone this is like my kids favorite store because there's like Target just has like a little toy section like Spirit Halloween it's just full of it Animatronics. This guy's got like a dark crystal costume. On. They're great. Do you need your computer for some reason? What? We'll just put it right here. Okay. But you got to talk into that microphone, okay? Be very important here. Talk loud, booming. Okay. okay. Yeah, like the uh, like your delivery guy's across the street. Okay. <laughs> and he's late. Yeah, this guy says right here, Gregory Allen, he says, that's the same concept as the Landstriper Muppet from the Dark Crystal. Uh, to, to me, those kind of actually also look like the, uh, the roller skate guys from, you ever see Return to Oz with Feruza Bulk? No. It's like a demented version of Wizard of Oz that came no, out that in the late kinda, 80s.
3: No, I don't want to see that. that and well, you scary. need to see it. <laughs> no, You're <laughs> like Jack
2: Ackie. He says, Halloween scares me. Things can go wrong. I wrote about accidents during Halloween the other day. That you? No. Haley, who are you? Tell the people.
3: Um, I'm Haley Bosio. Um, you don't here, need your notes just here, talk to me. You're at Freight Waves. You're fine, Haley. I know I'm fine. You're good. So, um, events. I do events. I do the Freight Waves events. Well, there's a team of us that does the events, but uh, sponsorship, sales, <laughs> operations, everything, whole yeah. thing.
2: We got a pretty awesome. What's, on, what's behind me? We got <laughs> they're working on. They got a new background here kind this? of is that where is that? Oh. Can you pick that up? Well, that's not our
3: event, but maybe H- one day. Oh,
2: Haley took that picture. Well, F3's coming up. <laughs> Speaking of scenic scenes like that one behind us, the scenic city, freight waves converging on it, all the best leaders in this space, all the disruptors in this space, all the influencers, everybody's Everybody. coming down to the Chattanooga Convention Center. Actually, where my son just was because he had a picture in Comic-Con. So he was just honored. I was there last week scoping ah. it out, making sure, you know, they were keeping the place nice for us. Oh yeah. And it keeping looked it nice. great you can still get tickets live.freightwaves.com yeah yes or, or
3: message dooner message me use my we've, code f3wtt yeah. i think we've it's got got one of the best discount codes yeah we've got right. some good discounts
2: let's start with the fun stuff who is performing at night who is keeping us rocking
3: well i mean you guys know i have said it and i'll say it again t.i i'm very excited about t.i uh, Soap creek is doing the after party for us with t.i we've got david nail um and who else do we have we got electric we've avenue got electric avenue uh kenny wade shepherd band yes. at the jb hunt party um and then mind dub A little little electronic with uh, Lean Solutions. I feel like they always bring the electronic vibes for the after parties. So a lot of fun experiences. We also have a puppy palace. A puppy palace palace inside the convention center. Some painting, live painting going on inside Mm. the convention center. A lot of fun activations inside the convention center and outside. Um, Emerge is doing a nice little putt-putt golf simulator. There's the puppies. There's the puppies. Well, some of the puppies, there's going to be a lot more, but look how cute those guys are. You know,
2: I might have puppies soon. I was, my wife was walking Randy Savage the other day (laughs) and another lady was walking her girl lab and she was like, do you want, do you want to braid? Do you want to braid the dog? Yeah, do it. We're we're considering Look
3: at those guys. Someone's going to take home a puppy, for sure. So why
2: should people come down here? Why, why should they come to F3? What, so what's, F3, what makes
3: this event? F3 is like Christmas, I think, for the the freight industry because it's a fun event. It's a festival, right? It's like we're not in the convention center all day. We're not stuck watching demos or keynotes or, you know, which that's great. But we get out. We get to network. We get to connect with each other. We get to have great food, great weather. I think this, like in the 70s right now in Chattanooga, it's perfect weather. Um, you know, just to connect and, and get out and about. And, you know, obviously like there's a lot going on in the industry right now, like like there always is, but right now I feel like it's it's a time that we all need to kind of come together and, you know, Learn, learn the new technologies, but also figure out what the heck we're doing in 2024. No,
2: there's no better time to meet and talk. You know, I host this show three days a week. My head is deep down in freight all the time. And I remember after Yellow went out of business, it was just kind of like the summer was a slog after that. There wasn't a lot of news and it was just bad news and market going down. And then it, like, it's been rapid fire ever since. You have news of Flexport. You got news of Convoy. You got news of Convoy and Flexport. Flexport potentially buying Convoy's tech stack. You have um, uh, wars going on. I mean, so, so many black swans are in the pond right now that there's a ton to talk of and we're going to get to the agenda but before i do part of what makes this what it is is we take over the scenic city and there's a lot of networking opportunities and some of those are the experiences what are the experiences this year
3: yeah, so we 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 go in the convention center from about seven to three. You know that's where you see your rapid fire demos, you see your keynotes, you see Dooner show the Freight Waves TV shows. But after that, we go into the pavilion, and that's really the time when we're all together listening to music, uh, the different you know the different artists that we just showed up there. And then afterwards, we have the after parties, the JB Hunt party, um, and then the after parties after that is all kind of the the chance to connect. There are some invite only experiences at Chattanooga Whiskey, Southside Social, try. Pay is doing a fun barbecue. Those are invite only, but there are a lot of experiences that are open. Like I said, like the Puppy Palace inside the convention center to connect. Amazon is doing an awesome event at the aquarium. So we have the entire aquarium to ourselves with food and drink on every level. We get to connect, hang out with the fish, the sharks, river and ocean will be open. So it's a, it's a really cool experience to, to go by and see that.
2: Now, before I get into the schedule, do you have a favorite? When, did, when was your first FreightWaves event?
3: Oh, gosh. Mine was Chicago.
2: That was mine, too.
3: Mine was Chicago when we had to drive. Yes.
2: <laughs> Well, I was gonna ask you, what is the most memorable one for you so far?
3: Well, I would definitely say that one because I <laughs> think it was my second week on the job and we drove in a snowstorm up to the event in Chicago. But it's different working the events now. You know, you kinda you get to see the behind the scenes and how much effort and energy goes into these things. It's it's really unbelievable. So it takes a, a group effort for sure.
2: No, I'd agree. In, in November of twenty nineteen, um, especially then, this was before the pandemic. So now, back then, I think it was like 95% of Freightwaveers worked here. They were in Chattanooga. They weren't yeah. we even have like, remote workers back then, except for some like temps. And we all, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but we run our own conferences. So our team works the conference. They run everything in the background. If you're not doing stage work, you're, you're out, you know, helping out at the desk, you're helping at registration, you're helping people figure out where to go, how to get on buses and trolleys and stuff like that. Well, we all get to the Chattanooga Airport, and we're all flying around summertime. All the flights get cancelled. Um, Craig, myself, Emily, we were supposed to open the show the next morning. We immediately were like, we got to get vans. And I think we got like a, about a half hour before our former CFO, not Spencer. This, is a non, this was not a Spencer there. Former CFO. <laughs> he was driving the van and he almost, and I was in the van with Craig and he like almost hit something. And Craig's like, I can't do this. And he's like off the phone. He's calling yeah. he's calling someone up and he secured us um, a private flight out there, but it almost felt like being like the big bopper or something. He's like, well, okay, but, but we got to fly in the blizzard? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like private jets. When you see them in movies, they're like Super Baller style. Where no, you're like
3: crammed like, in there. So, yes, you're crammed in there. They're
2: like, make sure you go to the bathroom because it's just like a little hole yeah. in the side. But we got in. It was fine, and it was an amazing time. I was amazed at how many people showed up. This is obviously a lot more convenient for us down here Absolutely. in Chattanooga. Last year's was amazing. I think so many people were taken aback about how we were able to transform what goes on in Freight Alley and bring people A unique experience that doesn't just keep you locked inside Mm -hmm. of an exhibit hall or locked inside of just a bunch of people talking. Yeah. Because you're going to get that info, but you also need to break and have some breathing room and be able to talk about these issues.
3: Yeah, you get the best of both worlds. You get the great action-packed content. And honestly, the the keynote lineup that we have this year and the demos, we have over 40 demos like four different keynotes and and a ton of fireside chats like we're just stacked with talent with this event it's huge and also the other thing is the app download the app it makes things a lot easier to kind of navigate when you're at the event to see who's going on where you can create your own custom schedule you can network with people so that's always something i like to shout out download the freight waves app from the um app store and and get on there
2: Everything is awesome that's going to happen at the event, but I picked out, I marked out some of the sessions that I'm definitely going to try and fit into the- my schedule with this one. The first one is obviously an industry keynote with J.B. Hunt and BNSF. They're going to get into the troubles going on in Intermodal. I just saw a stat that Intermodal volume was some of the highest that it's been. It may be the highest it's been, but what's interesting in that numbers was a lot of it was repositioning of empties. So it's like, wow, that's really good, but does that tell the whole story? So I want to know if that's the whole story from what's going on with J.B. Hunt, because if you've seen earnings, a lot of these companies are struggling like everybody else in the freight recession, some doing better than others. And uh, J.B. Hunt, BNSF, they've been making some moves, so it'll be really interesting to see the insight that guys like Spencer Frazier, Darren Field, and uh, Thomas Williams are going to bring.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. I think there's going to be, like I said, a lot of action-packed. Uh, fireside Chats. I'm excited to hear from uh, my good friend Sabrina Carr from, mm. from Clorox. I think that'll be interesting after coming out of COVID and uh, just hearing the thought leadership from from her and the, and the Clorox oh, yeah. company.
2: How do you like contend with a how do you responsibly manage because we didn't always do this in freight with capacity. How do you responsibly manage such a flow of like Clorox wipes being sold? You're selling so many more than you did before. How do you how do you get out of that at the right time without too much inventory?
3: I don't know. It's that's an a, interesting that's, equation. I mean, she, she's, she's, got, she's got her hands full, so I commend her. There's gonna be a great fireside chat, fireside chat
2: tackling unique supply chain um, uh, and logistics challenges. I'm an ex-Fedexer, so very excited to hear from Ramona Hood from FedEx Custom Critical. She'll be talking to uh, the great one, Mr. Craig Fuller.
3: Yep, I'm excited, I'm excited. I think um, Alan Gershenhorn too, I think that'll be a good one. Uh, former uh, UPS chief commercial officer, great guy. Full of information. Very, very smart. I think that'll be good also with Craig. So,
2: My first What the Truck of the Day. I don't have to wait that long. It's at 11 a.m. on day one. I have some awesome guests. I've got Matt Zimmer from Zengistics. I've got uh, Chad Eichelberg from Reliance Partners. I've got uh, Ronald Ramsey from Reliance Partners as well. i got Justin Bailey from Rose Rocket. And I've got Andrew Culhane from Torque. A lot of interesting stuff going on in AV with changes to regulations. Actually, did you hear Cruz? They have suspended all regulations. Um, fleets, they are initially California, they pulled the card on them because of a pedestrian incident didn't even seem like it was fully its fu- their fault. Someone got, someone got hit by a car crossing the street pedestrian. They got knocked in front of the autonomous vehicle. The autonomous vehicle ended up dragging the pedestrian. Oh. But one incident like that can shut down an entire AV fleet. Wow. So I'm really curious about how this has AV leaders thinking about things. Because Cruise, they said not just California. They just started in Atlanta, too. They said yeah. we're pulling our fleet everywhere to do more studies into the technology to make sure another incident doesn't happen, which – you know, I think it makes everyone more comfortable, but it also shows how, I mean, how many pedestrians do you think get hit a day by regular
3: cars? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I haven't thought about that before. Well, it's such I'd a tough
2: one accident, I'll... but they don't, like, here's the thing, like, when I think about it, though, is if you think about, like, one driver, if a driver hits somebody, they're held accountable, they can be taken to jail, that car's off the road. If an AV does it, well, every AV is that driver. Right? Yeah. Like if one cruise said that every, and then like that maybe is a different uh, psychological thing. The torque has a much different problem to solve, but I'm curious how trucking's thinking about it.
3: Yeah. Now, you know what? You know what would be interesting is to see an, an automated legal team. Imagine the legal team that, that automated. I'm sure we're
2: going to hear a lot about AI <laughs> like, there. Like there. That's, that's the new flavor of the month. A lot of companies gosh. are putting efforts into there, especially after ChatGPT brought that to the so forefront. Much. So I'm sure there will be a lot of solutions. Another interesting one is, Fireside Chat, is your freight secure? A lot of talk about cargo theft. I actually started the show talking about piracy. I talked about it on the water, and I talked about porch pirate theft. But whenever Traveler's on here, we're talking about the theft within the trailers. At this event, it's going to be Richie Daigle, Anthony Smith, and uh, Michael Caney. The yeah. highway. They're going to be talking about this, this issue that all these leaders are trying to solve, and I'm really happy to see more attention is being brought to double brokering fraud as well yeah. as uh, theft of goods from trucks.
3: You know, I actually, I spoke to Richie before, before the, they signed up for that chat, and it is absolutely crazy how, like, he's dealing with it firsthand. 100 percent on the line talking to these people dealing with the situation so i think it's it's an interesting topic to to learn about you know um so i'm I'm interested
2: no we because you're getting a double dose too because peter wrenchler and craig fuller are also going on, on specifically on the winners and losers in digital load boards there's there's been some and they're also talking about fraud that goes on there and how companies are tackling it i think it's one of the i mean you're on the side you see all the requested topics but i know with this show it's one of the top requested ones so i'm certain it had to be at f3
3: absolutely absolutely that's you know it's 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 interesting to see all the different range of topics that we get submitted but there's just so many controversial topics i feel like right now that's happening with the with the industry and the economy i feel like you you got to be at this event to hear what's going on and it's right before the holidays too so it's a nice little break before you head out and enjoy the holidays with the fam
2: now speaking of jb hunt 360 they throw on our biggest party at our events always yeah. they do an amazing job they, they get everybody moving this year they have kenny wayne shepherd that kicks off at six thirty, and then there's an after party with dj my nub and ti where is this taking place
3: so the first night it is the pavilion so we'll have the jb hunt party and then the after party with soap creek with ti and then the second night we have pavilion at jb hunt party and then there is um not station street what is it called uh the West Village. We had Station Street last year. West Village is where the after party will be the second night. So it's a, a, a cobblestone street with restaurants all around. It's a really really cool uh, piece of Chattanooga, right in the center of the city. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun.
2: You know, a big topic that came up. This is this is starting on day two at seven. 50 in the morning are things that we stay. We go out late and we go out late, we get, up, late, early. We get so up
3: early. Drink
2: a lot of water when you're at and these coffee. Things. <laughs> and if we're a little cranky, that's why. No, it, it's it's a good time, and there's so much energy through it. We can we can all crash on Friday when it's over. We're that's gonna right. be running strong during this. But a big issue, Haley, like this came up so much in 2021 when employees had a, a lot of power. Like every company was hiring, right? Yeah. So especially in brokerage, a lot of brokers wanted to jump jobs, but a lot of more handcuffed with non-competes. So it was a big issue. I remember Steam had a big push against it. Now we fast forward two years, and the issue is not so much that. It's that a lot of these brokers are losing their jobs, but they're stuck under these non-competes. I've gotten fired with having a non-compete before. It absolutely sucks. Jason Prevention from Steam, Rachel Premack are talking about ending non-competes in logistics. Is yeah. it time?
3: I think it's huge. I mean, I, I was under a non-compete for a while. I worked in brokerage, and it, it, it's not fun. It's uncomfortable. So, um, you know, Steam's done a really good job of pushing that, and I'm, I'm excited to, to watch them continue to do so.
2: How about this keynote on day two? What happens in China doesn't stay in China. What the <laughs> Chinese economy tells us about supply chain stability in 2024. That's with the great Leland Miller. He's the CEO over at China Beige Book. And, of course, our own founder and CEO, Craig Fuller. Yeah. He lives for those kind of things.
3: Oh, talks. 100%. That's right up Craig's alley. That'll be good. That'll, it's, all, it's all good. I don't, can't pick a favorite.
2: Well, you know, I mean, this, this – particular talk became even more urgent with what's happening in gaza and israel and taiwan and the moves that china is making and because we moved to warship they were upset so it's really curious how it's going to be affected and everyone goes well you got to get rid of china but I, those us who work in supply chain or who look at the tags on our shirts or realize where our computers are made and all this stuff on the desk is made realize like that's not easy that's that's not easier said than done yeah and what does a war mean like that would completely wreck our supply chain
3: 100 percent. i mean i feel like we're just now recovering if we've recovered from covid and now we have this on our doorstep so it's and it's
2: if there weren't done. enough spinning plates the other one that always comes up is energy there's so many regulations coming towards fleets right what are they going to do with carb what are they going to do next year at the ports what are they doing in 2030 what are they what are the shippers doing to get their net zero goals filled well yep. there's another keynote why economic growth will require investments in energy including fossil fuels narrative disruption alex epstein he's the author of fossil future he's uh, and he's also the president of the center for industrial progress he's going to be having a great conversation with craig fuller as well
3: yeah i'm excited to hear that honestly i'm not really well versed in in those topics i i need to sit down and listen to that one i think i think that'll be great too now
2: my first freight waves event was in atlanta it was the one before chicago it was freight waves live and the person who opened up that show was um, well actually no it was day two the one who opened up the, opened up on uh, the first one was, was Gary uh, Gary <gasps> Gary V.
3: Yes. Yeah, yes, Gary yes, V yes, yes. opened yes. up.
2: That was great. I got a little trouble with my cable on that one. But on day two, Brad Jacobs opened it up, and he came out, and he had like papers in his hand. He threw them on the ground. He said, "This entire thing is an open Q and A," um, and he just took questions from the audience. And he's doing one: how to make a few billion. A town hall <laughs> with Brad Jacobs, super leader. I can't. I can't wait to hear what he's learned. I can't wait to hear what. From him, what you guys learned. I can't wait to hear what has changed and how he's talking from when I originally heard him in 2019. Because so much, we're in a completely different world.
3: Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm excited to learn how to make a couple billion.
2: I would like to a couple billion? To billion without winning the lottery. I'm there.
3: I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm listening to that one.
2: Of course, we get another What the Truck. It's at 1.30 on day two. I've got Dan Curtis from Triumph Pay on there. I've got uh, Sub Creeps, Joe Patizzi, and I've got uh, Michael Belker from Indiva. And also, I also have some, uh, some surprise guests in store. Steve okay. might be, even be bringing their gong. It's going oh, to okay. be a lot of fun. You definitely okay. don't want to miss day two. And that's what you mentioned. That night, what happens is we go over to the Tennessee Aquarium. What happens yeah. at the Aquarium?
3: So the aquarium's fun. So we have a river aquarium and an ocean aquarium that are you know, obviously two separate aquariums. Um, multi-level floor. We can walk through. There's food. There's drink. Uh, you know, honestly, the food was really good last year. Um, so you have plenty of opportunities to network and kind of a unique a uh, unique place right so it's not that stuffy networking experience it's it's fish and sharks and and lights and music and people and everybody's just in a good mood the vibes are right and it's it's awesome
2: and then on on the final day you're going to show up and this is a can't miss her this is um What's it called? Success in business, particularly in freight, is dependable on negotiation. This is with Never Split the Difference author Chris Voss. He's going to be talking again to Craig Fuller, like all these keynotes. And um, in a time now where everyone's fighting for margin, you know. You've got (laughs) to negotiate. You've got to negotiate negotiate well. To secure that. Uh, Here is, uh, I ran into Freight Vana right before last year's Freight Tech 25 awards were handed out. Let's see what they had to say. Oh, boy. We're, at yeah. We're here with Lars and Don over at uh, Freightvana. Vana. Where do you guys think yeah. you're going to place in the Freight Tech 25? You want to go first or me? Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. It's somewhere between 1 and 26. <laughs> All, right. Yeah. All right. I love those guys. <laughs> this is the big thing. People are very nervous before this event goes on. Uh, people are very excited to see where they'll place in the Freight Tech 25. Yeah. Big uh, deal. This year, should we be excited about it? There's a oh, big yeah. change in the landscape. Some, some of the companies that have been previously in the Freight Tech 100 haven't made it through this death by overfunding, this crisis that's going on, and some are just changing hands.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's extremely competitive right now. It's, um, you know, for, for multiple reasons, but everybody always looks forward to these, this big announcement of the Freight Tech 25. I think it's, you know, we do it live on stage, and uh, everybody comes and tunes in, and it's, it's always fun to see where people land.
2: And I can't wait for this one. This is a round table where we're talking about what I learned building What the Truck and helping build our podcast and TV network here. Craig's talking about what he learned building Freight Waves. And I don't know if you've seen recently, he's acquired a ton of different magazines yeah. in boating and awesome in stuff. flying. He's even got very niche stuff. Like, I don't know. I think one of them was like Pontooning Magazine. Yeah. And a guy who just crushes on YouTube, Alex Mai, Mother Trucker News. Three of us are going to get together on stage and tell you our best kept secrets about how we've been able to grow our respective brands. Don't miss that session.
3: It's huge. I remember when we were downstairs in the podcast booth. What the truck? It has. It's grown so much.
2: Well, Haley, where do they go to get tickets?
3: All right. Well, there's multiple places. You can message Dooner, message me, or you can go to live.freightwaves.com, click events. They're $800 off right now tickets, so you can you can get them there. Um, You can also get your Atlanta tickets for next year as well there. So oh, the entire schedule, them. yeah, you can bundle them. Um, yeah, use yeah.
2: my code F3WTT.
3: Yep, do it. Haley, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'll see you, see guys you, at you in F3. Chattanooga. Woo, we're excited.
2: I mean, I'll see you before then. But well,
3: yeah, we'll see you in of the
2: office. Awkward whatever. to get rid of you without see saying something. Bye. Take it easy. All right, did you know AIT Worldwide Logistics has been recognized as a top performer by Cranes, Forbes, Impound Logistics, Transport Topics, and yes, even Freight Waves? They're on our Freight Tech 100 list. Hey, we were just talking about that. Boost your job satisfaction, regain a sense of purpose, and open your career opportunities as one of the fastest growing organizations in the industry. Visit the career section at AITWorldwide.com to learn more and go ahead and apply today. All right, elsewhere.
0: Oh my God, son of a <laughs>
2: I want my leather face to get one of these UPS guys. Chuck Love says, almost spit my coffee. Duner, LOL. Dan Borglet says, what's scary is how he placed the package for easy view from the street and porch pirates. Now that's scary. Yeah, of course. You saw the date at the beginning of the show. And Marshall Bigelow said, it only does that when packages are tossed on the porches. we would only hope. I would love a device like that. All right, let's talk to Tyson Lawrence. He's the CEO over at Diablo Freight Ventures. Hello, Tyson. Duner, what's happening, my man? What's up, man? Where are you coming into me from? Where are, you, where are you sitting today?
4: Oh, I'm actually in Brentwood, California, Northern California,
2: out in the Bay Area. Nice. Now, is it, hey, is, have you been to the Bay recently? Is it as bad as like like Twitter and social media tells me? Um, You know, it,
4: yeah, I mean, it's getting better. It <laughs> okay. is getting better. I don't want I'm mean, I'm a positive dude. So uh, I love San Francisco and, you know, it's had its challenges, but it's getting better. And, you know, we're out in the Bay or out in the, you know, Outer Bay and east bay so we just go in and get our stuff and get out when we need to
2: hey a little uh a little a little cowbell and a little gong for my two sons they just finished their little league season and i was looking at your background and i do want to talk about diablo but i saw that you also are invested in a bat company
4: yeah yeah um devo bats we uh we make wood bats and actually we've started at the lower levels you know a lot of these kids are starting to swing wood bats they've really um neutered the aluminum bats that you and I grew up with and so it actually you know it's smart if these kids want to play at the next level and they have a lot of um you know wood bat tournaments and things like that and we'll be in the major leagues probably in the next 2 years um but right now we've got guys swinging them in the minors and a lot of kids swinging them
2: what's an interesting wood bat fact
4: um uh, let's see here they start out square they start out square <laughs> and then you got to shape them and lacquer them yeah, there's a real process that goes into them, and it's a real. I've learned a whole lot about it. You know, I'm a baseball fan, and the actual owner of the company is uh, Jordan Devore. He uh, started it, played Major League Baseball, and then you know wanted to do his own thing. So I've been kind of helping with some of the um, advisory roles and shipping and logistics and things like that as it's grown.
2: Now let's go back in time because you, when you reached out to me, you're like, I have an interesting story to tell you, Dooner, and it's about it's about failure and redemption. Let's start at the failure. Let's go back in time. What what happened? You started a company. that didn't work out.
4: Yeah. So I started my first freight brokerage in 2006. Uh, We we focused on fresh produce, anything refrigerated, um, highly you know, highly uh, anything tough. Basically, we wanted to you know haul it. I was young, dumb, and I wanted to get in there. So anyway, you know, I just learned a lot. Um, For 10 years, we grew that company and. About uh, 10 years in, I thought we were indestructible, and we ended up getting caught up in uh, financial obligations and things with a a dispute with one of our biggest clients, and it ended up taking the company down.
2: Wow. So uh, how did that impact you? Like, what what did you learn from that? What, What was it like being in that moment?
4: Oh, it was incredible. In fact, I've kind of been, you know, empathizing with Dan Lewis and some of these guys that were at Convoy right now. I mean... At the end of the day, the numbers are relative, but, you know, it's everybody goes through the same thing as an entrepreneur. And at that time, you know, it felt very lonely. You know, it was tough. It was a lot of pressure. You know, I had a lot of employees. You know, I can't imagine what Dan's feeling, um, but I can't imagine kind of some of the same things of going through it and something that you've built, you've you've, uh, you've got a lot of love and um, blood and sweat put into it to kind of come up and catch you when you think you're kind of past that point of, you know, being brought down.
2: No, you know I, I hear you, and you know I've I've built stuff. I'm I'm building this, and I understand that there's a lot of slings and arrows that come at you. And um, I gotta agree with you. I was a little disappointed in some of the commentary that people had towards Dan. I mean, some was very fair, but some was just completely mean spirited. We're all in a very tough environment right now, and you know I I I can see the empathetic side to it. I understand a lot of employees are in a tough situation, but it, sure. it's it's a it's a brutal market. And I think you can also see both sides and and have empathy towards both sides.
4: Oh, 100%. I mean, that was the hardest thing in my life was, you know, having to lay off my crew and tell them basically, you know, the company is going down and, you know, this is how I feel like we can survive for another few days. And then, you know, actually having those last conversations, you know, are tough. And, you know, it becomes, you know, being a family is, you know, kind of overused in business, but I really, you you become, the camaraderie is what I love about building companies. And you kind of, you, you have that as you grow. And then, when you kind of hit a brick wall, it's, it's traumatic, you know, and it took me a long time to get over it. I, I started another company in the ashes of it um, and it was successful um, a lot from learning in the past, but at the time, man, it was just, and there's not a lot of people around you that can empathize, you know, um, I, I found some people that could, but um, especially, you know, people that have never built a company before or, or aren't entrepreneurs, you know, they don't understand, you know, that feeling of,
2: you know, responsibility that you have for your crew. When did you, like, how did you know when to pivot and how did you go about that? So, you
4: know, it was being real honest with myself, to be honest, you know, I I was just looking at everything and I was fighting and I was fighting and, you know, we were kind of going, it was the 2015 freight recession, you know, it wasn't as much, it was really, I'm going to go back a little bit, you know, when, um, you know, Craig Fuller made a good point that in two thousand you know, 10, it was still a cottage industry. You know, I got into this in 2000 and I worked for C.H. Robinson started my own at 2006. It it was still real cottage industry. And so when, you know, 2015 came on that recession hit, there weren't a lot of you know places to kind of, you know, figure this out with. And um, I just, I had to be real honest and be like, okay, do I see this moving forward or is it better to cut, you know, keep fighting this? I mean, we were in a legal dispute and we were in a legal dispute with somebody much bigger than us. So I kind of had to forecast, you know, how much this was going to set us back or if it was better just to kind of like wave the white flag and do what we needed to do and move on. And coming to those decisions, I leaned on everybody. I I remember vividly the very the first conversation I brought up. I had an investor that was in who were about a million dollars with me or half a million dollars with me. And then I had, you know, an attorney and things like that. And I brought those guys all around a table, and I just laid out three scenarios. One was where we we'd go down completely. Two, we put more money in and keep going and keep fighting. Or three, we just, you know, live to fight another day and, you know, start something else at the back end after the, you know, we learn what we need to learn
2: from this. Yeah. What, what did you learn? Like, what is the best environment to build a freight brokerage in? This one. <laughs> why is you know, everyone honest, scared
4: yeah i mean to be honest with you when the tide recedes you get to see who's swimming naked yeah. and you know yeah. i think a lot of people including these freight brokerage companies or these digital freight brokerage companies they rode the wave they looked like they were changing things from their technology when in reality it was just the market so the market fell and they were swimming without trunks you know and it showed and You know, I think now it's such a ground level aspect that if you can survive in this market and you can build in this market, you're going to build in a great market. I don't believe in getting in at the top because you only got to go down. Um, So even while it's tough, this business is tough, you know, and I think a lot of people are finding that out. And you just got to, you know, bite your teeth and grind through it, especially when you're starting. And why not start in one of the toughest markets?
2: So then how do you like, for example, I was just looking at like Heartland's earnings, for example, Heartland usually has a really nice operating ratio in the 80s. And I think that uh, don't quote me on this. uh, I'm going to put an asterisk. I think it's close to 100 percent, if not over 100 percent on their on their latest report. How do you keep your, your running costs down in an environment like this where everything's expensive? Fuel part? Well, actually, used trucks aren't that expensive anymore. You got that going for you.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, trucking, definitely. But even in the, you know, freight brokerage world, it's just being really, you know, trimmed down, looking at your finances and seeing what you need, what you don't need. Unfortunately, you're going to have to probably trim um, labor, and you know, that payroll, that type of stuff. But being organized is the biggest thing. I think, you know, I do some consulting and I work with, you know, freight brokers and other, um, you know, trucking companies and stuff. And one of the things that I find is that, a lot of people aren't organized in their finances, you know, and creating some real important KPIs and, you know, metrics around what you need to stay afloat and then sticking to those and then keeping everything in line is really important, especially right now.
2: Gongs at freight brokerages. Are they uh, an economic accelerator? Are you, are you pro or anti-gong? man. I was
4: hoping you would ask me this question. I was going to have to bring it up if you didn't, but we actually have a gong
2: in our office. So we're pro gong. I love it. Well, what is Diablo Freight? Let's go, let's go there. Like, so you've started this new company or you're you're trying to tell your new hero story. You're trying to rebuild. What are you rebuilding as? Right. So uh,
4: Diablo uh, Freight Ventures is kind of a culmination of my 25 years in the business. Um, You know, I've One, we have three different aspects. One of the things I learned about this business is you got to be diversified. You know, you got to kind of know all types of modes. You got to have different customers, you know, different carriers, things like that. So I've kind of taken that approach, and that's one thing I learned in my failure was we weren't diversified enough in our customer base. So I've got three different revenue streams inside this company. One, we own and operate a Unishippers franchise. We uh, Unishippers works with small package and parcels. Uh, We do. We have a great agreement with UPS that allows us to. Um, you know, work in their small to medium-sized sector of businesses. And then the other aspect of Diablo Freight Ventures is consulting. I consult with uh, freight brokerages, people that are, you know, in different stages of growing their freight brokerage. Um, we I work with, uh, you know, company shippers, investors, technology companies that kind of want to know the space a little bit more. And then the third aspect of the business is um, I invest in other startups, you know, early Seed ventures as far as um, freight tech and things like that.
2: What do you like out there? So, like, you, you put, put your investor cap on for a second. You know, there's been so much talk about investors bailing out on things out in this field. Let's have a more positive spin. What looks good right now? You don't have to name companies, but like, is there a type of tech or a direction someone's going that you think is is great and investable in this market?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think there's a lot of opportunity in, you know, markets like this, especially for investors, you know. You got to look hard at them. And one of the things about, you know, freight tech is um and the failure of Convoy and some of these others is that the good stuff's going to stick around. Some of the other stuff that was kind of fluff, it's going to kind of fall to the wayside. Um, So that's kind of a resetting of everything right now in that aspect. But one of the things I really do like is the carrier verification, broker verification models or tech that's getting out there. I know there's a few companies out there. Um, I have my favorites, but, you know, I think that is important. The freight brokers need to build their tech stack more than ever. You know, to compete with these bigger ones and things like that, they've got to, you know, the bigger brokerages, they've got to find their own tech stack, you know, whether that's sonar or, you know, some other freight data gathering, gathering mechanism, um, you know, TMS, you know, all that stuff. You've got to have a good freight stack. And I think one of those things you put in there now is some way to verify your brokers and your carriers.
2: You know, AI, it sounds a little bubbly at, at the moment, but I'm sure there's going to be some winners that come out of it and some progress that comes sure. out of it. Is there anything in the AI space that you like, AI supply chain space?
4: You know, I think it's huge just because there's so much data involved in, in it, and, you know, it's kind of hard to see what's going to bubble to the top uh, right now. But I just like the fact that it's in there. You know, I, I started in the freight brokerage game when it was cool if a driver had a cell phone. I mean, literally, like, we had to wait for them to call from a payphone to tell us where they were at. So I've seen the evolution now to where we're at and, you know, kind of the hype. And then now things bubbling down. And we're gonna, I think we're going to really see AI kind of solve a lot of the, the data analytics and kind of the data massive, you know, amounts of stuff that we have to look through. It's going to really sort that out for us. I don't know yeah. how yet, and I don't know who's doing it. You know, I just can envision it from what I've seen already.
2: Yeah, well, I think at our own event, F3, I'll, I'll get a better idea. I'm sure some of those companies will be there. People will be talking about their... Actually, I know I'm interviewing at least one of them on What the Truck, so um, it'll be exciting to find out what's going on there. Hey, it is Friday, so it's time for a little good news, bad news. Stick around. we got a couple of videos to uh, to talk about over here. Oh, no, absolutely. This is the best part of Friday. Yeah, the bad news
4: and
2: good news. Boom. Boom. Hope they're Okay. All right, take a look at this video. This I didn't almost didn't post this. I had this video two days ago. I thought this. I thought for sure this guy died. I was. There's no way this person's not dead. You saw him just hit the back of that pickup truck, and now he gets run over by a semi truck. There's a guy on a motorcycle who's going 140 miles an hour. He crashes into the car. His name is Street Demon PC. But I have good news to report. The New York Post says that he survived this. He only fractured a little more than 20 bones. And now he says, putting my life on the line, being as reckless as I was, wasn't even the issue. I put random innocent lives on the line. I was being risky as usual and got too close to the truck, and he closed the distance between us. I panicked, and it was too late. Wow. Wow. That's news to me. I thought he was dead. I thought for sure that guy was, I was like, man, why do people keep playing this video? But now that he, I know that he lived, that's, that's amazing idiot. He, at least he admits that like, you know, the real issue wasn't even just that I almost killed myself. I could have damaged someone else on the road.
4: Well, he was kind of a metaphor for my story too, of my first freight brokerage, you know, to be honest with you, but, um, (laughs) you were the, yeah, yeah, um, I, I think this is good news. I like resilient people. The fact that he, you know, survived that—I mean, that's—he took his hit and he's getting back up. A lot of guys in the NFL can't do that. So, um, personally, I think that's good news, and that he survived—that's even better news.
2: Absolutely. I gotta, yeah. Let's give this guy a little cowbell. Hopefully, he learned his lesson. I'll change my tune. I hopefully the judge does. Uh, I don't know why they won't name the guy. I mean, he was kind of driving like an idiot, but I, I guess they don't yeah. want to. Now, uh, do, you have, do you have like a Tesla? Do you have an EV?
4: I don't, but I live in the Bay Area, so it's, uh, it's like uh, slug bugs.
2: You, you ever see people get into fights over who can charge and, and when they can charge and charger availability?
4: Actually, you know, I've seen some uh, – <laughs> it's funny you brought that up because I thought that was a uniquely, uniquely California thing. But, yes, we did have uh, – uh, I've seen some animated discussions around the EV stations.
2: All right. Well, you, I you thought know, it was
4: more of a parking spot, but
2: well, you know, I guess it's. Well, apparently it's everywhere. It's even over the pond. Take a look at this video right here that was posted up by Nick Lasnilos. Oh, what are you doing?
0: What am I doing? Are you talking to me? Yeah,
2: yeah. What are you doing?
0: Oh, uh, I'm just charging my car.
2: Yeah, but that's my charger. and my drive. Oh my
0: god right okay <laughs> but i'm just charging my car because um well i, I haven't got a charger o- over at my friend's house i have just come to see my friend and i thought you would mind
2: okay but yeah but yeah but this is my drive and this is my charger as well
0: yeah but they don't have a charger you see and my car needs charging and i'm you know i'm gonna be here a few hours and i thought well
2: okay you know. but, like i'm not at home and <laughs> yeah. you're using my charger that's even better. If you're not at home. That means that you're not going to have your car here. So well,
0: you yeah, yeah, I know, I'm saying that's my charger, though. Yes, all right. Don't
2: get big-headed about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not getting big-headed, but I'm just saying, like, why are you using the charger? Oh, look, I just explained.
0: Clear out your ears, please. I just
2: explained. All you right, let's. She, she just. This mind. goes on. These these guys are too polite. These British people, because like, if this was in okay. the U.S., like, there would be there might be violence at this point
4: absolutely you know that wasn't definitely the california discussion i saw but uh yeah so i'm struggling on good news bad news on this one because i like her objections overcoming objections <laughs> I think didn't she really was good
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> she was like you she, she was. She goes she, later. The 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 fight. He's like, I have to pay for the electricity. She's like, come on. It's like pennies. And she's just. It's. She's like gaslighting the hell out of him, and somehow making him feel petty because she's using his charger. Totally. Yeah. She was
4: not have I mean, she was going to keep going, and it was, she was only going to be there for a couple of hours, too. By the way.
2: I would have. I would have been like. Uh, the problem is, you said she was going to come back. Now, I don't. Some people say this video may have been staged. but it was, I mean, that British acting was great, but I can imagine these same conversations would be happening.
4: Well, I, I, I guess just having it in your front yard, though, that's a little different. You know, most people have them inside their garages here, and you know, but you know, we do have them like at Best Buy and you know, whatever. You know, they're out in the parking lots and things like that. So that's where people, I see most people trying to either wait for them, you know, or or get in arguments over it. It's crazy.
2: So when you stop at a uh, when you stop at a rest stop, what's your what's your usual buy? You're on road trip. You're driving out there. What are you grabbing at the loves?
4: So that's that's pretty interesting because we actually do make that drive. Well how here in California, it's the I five, you know, from Northern California to Southern California, and there's some pretty classic
2: truck stops along the way there. So uh what do I buy? Whatchamacallit? Oh, a nice yeah! I'm bad with the candy too. I'll get like sour patch kids. I'm trying to lose a little weight for F3, so I've had to like curb the sugar and control the calories because it'll actually that'll like destroy your caloric budget. Almost to me, either. with Trucker Path, they put out a survey. They surveyed their community drivers of what drivers are buying at the rest stop. So they're always trying to push for drivers to be more healthy. And it says here, what do you typically buy at the rest stop? The number one choice was I usually eat at the truck stop restaurant, which is going to be some kind of fast food that they have in those. 35% said I usually get freshly prepared food from the truck stop, then go out and eat on the road or in their truck. And then 23%, I usually shop for groceries at the truck stop, then eventually they'll eat on the road. So they're probably doing the healthiest. They're the lowest number and what are they buying a lot of them said hot breakfast 53.9 percent 30 percent like those roller dogs and the hot dogs they have never appealed to me 26 percent got the sandwiches 25 percent have met like mexican food on the road and then healthy food was uh, also 25 percent
4: wow i'm surprised the hot dog hamburgers rank so high you, you a good roller dog guy no but i gotta you know i know somebody who is and he's probably
2: watching right now so he's <laughs> he Tank. agrees with that tanker donkey says uh water maybe dip dip if he runs out he typically packs his own food truck stops aren't cheap right i imagine it could get pretty expensive having to uh, have an eat out of one of those all the time absolutely and grocery shopping at one i couldn't imagine how expensive that would be you know sam actually this guy some guys he uh, he left a comment he said would drivers be interested in knowing about truck stops that receive and held their grocery orders for them i pitched this once as an amenity i thought drivers would appreciate and notice i think that could be pretty interesting
4: no, absolutely. Especially now where, you know, that's some of the other, you know, companies I'm looking at now are ones that are helping with driver health and giving some options, you know, platforms and public.
2: Yeah, some people are doing great stuff in there. Well, we are out of time. It's time for the weekend. I'm going to let send you to go, but what website can they find yet? Go to DiabloCrate.com.
4: You can fill out a quick little form there to send me your information and I'll get back to you.
2: Otherwise, LinkedIn. Tyson, thank you so much for your time. You can find this show at FW Fre- at FW What the Truck. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. I'm most active on Twitter, X, LinkedIn. You can find uh, the show also on YouTube or podcast players anywhere. Take care. Have a great weekend, and don't be a stranger.